Thanks everyone for joining us for a very special episode of No Complaints. Bowman and I spent some time this week talking through a movie that we've both seen recently, Just Mercy. It's a very impactful film and one that's actually quite relevant to the conversation and everything that is happening in our country right now. We honestly wanted to take some time to dive into the depth of this film so that we can learn how to approach the complexity of systemic racism in both our past and what different ethnicities face even today. The film honestly caused us to think about it from new perspectives. I hope you enjoy this episode, but just as a note, this episode is not sponsored in any way, shape, form, or fashion. We aren't making any money on this one. We just felt compelled to be part of the conversation. So please share it with anyone you can without any hesitation whatsoever. Everyone, no matter your background or upbringing, needs to be involved in the conversation. It isn't just between Bowman and myself and a few of our friends. Please, please, please engage with your neighbors and friends to truly hear every struggle they face regardless of their ethnicity, and seek to fully understand them and support them. With that in mind, extend us some grace as we seek to struggle and get started in this very complex and difficult topic. Here we go. Hey, hey, hey. Hey, Bowman. How are you doing? I'm doing all right. Um, just in my, in my uh, COVID quarantine office, a.k.a. closet. Oh, do I need to move to my closet? I know this is a tradition now. We've done it all of one time. <laughs> That's so true. Yeah, it's the best way to avoid the sounds of a house with dogs. So. Uh, or children. Many children, in fact. Oh, yeah. <laughs> man, 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 man. Uh, it's been forever since I've heard your voice, to be honest with you. I know. It's, it's, very, it's kind of jarring. So for the ladies and gents at home listening, it has been a minute. We've been kind of taking some time back from the podcast, uh, being present with family and friends in life, trying to make sense of the insanity of COVID, but... Um, Definitely with this um, more recent um, fight against injustice in our country, we thought um, it'd be a really appropriate time to bring the, the podcast back um, and talk about the film Just Mercy, um, which Warner Brothers has made available for free streaming everywhere this month. So if you've not seen it yet, you can get on that. And um, yeah, maybe we'll, we'll stick with this a little bit more frequently because I've missed this quite a bit. <laughs> I, I really have too, which is which is why it's. I, I wanted to just talk for a minute before we transition, but yeah, yeah no, totally. I I have been ever since you mentioned wanting to um, talk about this movie. Um, it's a movie that has come up on my radar um, a lot in the past month um, mm. as part of our church, and um, we've. Uh, started a group Marco Polo group where we discuss um, seek to understand different perspectives on race relations in America. And there's 
pretty much every race is represented in that group. And it's been, it's been really eye opening for me personally, um, as a, as a white guy who grew up in suburban South, um, Mm. to be able to see things that I've seen before, uh, maybe from a, a different perspective. I, I right, think the biggest right. thing that I've seen is maybe more of the uh, current affairs, but also the the uh, visceral feelings that go along with what's um, with what different nationalities, different ethnicities are enduring. Um, at all at all different things and I think that's the thing of being able to walk up close with some brothers and sisters who I've known for a very long time and to be able to see their actual experiences talk through what what the nation what the debate in the nation means to them specifically Um, Mm -hmm. and it it just makes it very personal it really Um, does and it and it very much plowed the ground of my heart ready for this film um and i think that it landed on me in a completely different way knowing that one it had been recommended in that group by several several of the brothers uh in there and and several sisters as well in the book uh as well which Mm, i've now yeah um but yeah it's uh yeah i'm 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 personally very excited um as a warning uh, Bowman and I have not discussed a lot of notes about this. In fact, we've barely talked about the film at all, other than we've both seen it mm-hmm. um, and kind of asked for friends to give us uh, friends and colleagues to give us some comments that they thought about the film. So we'll, we'll get to that at some point, but um, we're just going to, uh, I told Bowman my only, my only thing that I wanted to make sure was happened today was just being as honest and real as we could. Yeah. Um, I think that's why. So, I, I think so too. Um, but you know, just as a heads up for some folks who may listen in the car with their kids and they may, might have more sensitive material. We're certainly not going to be cursing or anything like that, no. but there may be some topics that you might want to be able to explain or just listen to first. I, I, I don't think there's going to, we're going to cross any lines, but just in case we do. Mm. Um, but also just know that like we're, we want to unpack this as a real two real individuals um, who grew up in a similar area of the country who want to be able to understand yeah. this story. And I just don't want to mince words and I want it to just no. lay out and happen. I don't need, I don't have a script. I don't have a, I don't have notes. I don't have anything. I, in fact, I stopped taking notes very early in the film uh, because I was just like, all right, this is, this is meant to be experienced. As exactly. You there, need to, so. you need to take it all in. Yeah. And I think I'll piggyback a little bit off of what you're saying though. And, and, you know, encourage you like, this is not, uh, I mean, I'm not, not going to tell you how to parent your kids, but definitely a conversation that should be had. Cause I think looking back on my own life, um, one of the things that I was saddened to, to notice is how much um, that I was hidden from all of the injustice going on in our country. And I think uh, a lot of it is due to just kind of white privilege. Um, you know, just we never had to to fight and we never saw this kind of uh, treatment, you know, in our um, neighborhood and family growing up. Um, but on the other hand, um, there is, a, I think, a lot of time in Southern culture, this habit to just look away. Um, and like, you know, it's it's. I think one of those things that I, as I've gotten older, I've realized that I have an obligation to look at the injustice mm. um, and to stand with 
um, people of color that are experiencing this kind of systemic racism and uh, just kind of horrible treatment um, and, and have been for, uh, for decades. Um, and it's, you know, it's, it's wrong to turn an eye when you see something unjust going on. Um, and so I think it's good to have these conversations with kids. Some of the some of friends of mine on Twitter um, and just around the country have shared little snippets of conversations they've had with their kids uh, through all of this. And some of the most gentle, wise and understanding comments are from these kids because they they truly understand what's important. They understand the value of a human life. And it's like, uh, I don't know, it's encouraging to see, like, if that's what the next generation is already understanding, like, how do we foster that? How do we encourage that? And like, let's keep these conversations going because uh, I mean, I think we're seeing a wave of something happening in our country now. Um, So let's not stop like, and films like this uh, and dialogues like this are important to to making sure that we can understand the stories of individual people um, that are happening around us every day. Yeah, I think it's messy. And I think my content warning was, is intended to say this conversation should happen. And I think it should happen as soon as it possibly can. Yes. Uh, for any any child. Um, at the same time, I think it's helpful for, for parents to, to know like what specific children are ready for. That is very true. Um, and yeah. th- also to know like, you know, obviously there's some topics that ha- are handled in this film that are might be scary for some kids. I know one of my kids, there are certain movies that we can't watch that are not scary, but are somehow scary to them. <laughs> so, so we've had Aww. to learn like how it, how it's okay for Amelia to watch one film, but Penelope not. Uh, and, um, and yeah, I think that it, it is something where, I mean, we can, you, you want to just go ahead and get started into the film, I, I guess. Um, yeah, I, mean, I guess cause, we can. Cause... I feel like it's weird to kind of shoot the breeze when we're talking about serious topics. Like, so how's the right. life and kids are the you enjoying yeah. some baked goods but um yeah i, I yeah, mean let's just i have in. no idea how long we want to be uh and so like <laughs> i i would rather us spend the bulk of our time talking about um this film there's a lot yeah to there is there um, is um so uh if you have not if you've not seen it maybe pause and go watch it it's available everywhere and then come back free yeah right. it's it's go wonderful and a side note, uh, along with that, they also made it available for purchase for like $5 and high def and all that. So I went ahead and just bought it because I was like, I enjoyed this as an art piece, as a film. But it also challenged me a lot. And I know this is going to be something I'd like to revisit and revisit with other people in the future. So you can get it really cheap. Um, um, but definitely, there's no excuses. It's available everywhere. Yes. Um, but yeah, uh, Just Mercy um, came out uh, late last year. It's got more of a wide release um, early this year. Um, and it's directed by a man most people don't know his name, Destin Cretton. Uh, but he directed uh, a really great indie film called Short Term 12 starring Brie Larson. Um, and that film ripped my heart out. It was so moving, um, so sad, but uh, very much an intense uh, depiction of one woman's struggle with her past and her trauma as she ministers to other people and kind of a, a teenage person half, halfway home. Um, so this, this director is no stranger to difficult topics and interpersonal relationships. And boy, does he deliver. Um, 
Just Mercy, it's a heavy film, um, but it's a necessary film. I think it's something that you should all all take the time to see. Um, do you want to give a like a brief summary? I know I do a lot of those, but you might be <laughs> you might be a little bit more I'm concise. <laughs> <coughs> oh, uh, Bowman, say that say that again about me. That's not something that's usually said about me. So you need to say it again just for me, um, so I can hear it. You might be a little bit more concise. Uh, <laughs> that, that that sounded painful. It hurt. Um, I'm sorry. I, I have to have. Uh, I think uh, I love the the aspect of of being able to approach. In fact, this film handles that well. Being able to ha- approach heavy topics, but also remember that we're human and we need joy and yeah. sorrow. Um, but Definitely. anyway, uh, by way of summary, um, so um, long story short, Brian Stevenson. Uh, this is all based on truth. Yeah. Uh, and again, like I said before, it is a book that is out and been out since 2014 um you can order it from amazon it is back ordered just in case you're wanting to order that but anyways so go Brian support Stevenson. your local bookstores ouch <laughs> burn to john all right brian stevenson uh is a harvard law graduate and it kind of opens um on him after we see a bit of a little bit of a uh, Jamie Foxx uh, is, you know what? I'm doing this horribly. I'm going to try this again. Uh, do you want me to just take over? Because I thought you'd do it more concisely, but apparently. Go go right ahead, <laughs> go right ahead Bowman. Go right ahead. Take, take it from me. <laughs> Sorry. This is so but, cruel. This is painful. I was trying to, I was trying to read, I was trying to read some comments on the page that I was, and my brain was skipping oh, verses. I'm sorry. There's going to be that one person listening that's like, well, they obviously aren't going to talk about this with any sense of, you know, respect. I'm, also, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No. So, I love how um, you turned on your Southern accent for that comment. How rude. I'm just so upset. I'm going to go get sweet tea and sit down in the living room. Um, so, st- <laughs> You were right, though. Uh, Brian Stevenson, um, he's a young Harvard Law graduate, so it starts off in 1989, which is crazy to think that I had been born when this movie began, mm. considering mm-hmm. some of what it covered. But uh, Michael B. Jordan, um, who you know from Creed, you know from Black Panther, excellent actor, he plays Brian, um, who's basically got this dream and this vision to start a uh, like a, a law firm that goes in to fight for justice for people who have been um, put on death row unfairly. So basically anyone who is uh, unable to afford legal representation, or maybe they, uh, there were, there was something wrong with their, um, their sentencing. So he's wanting to go and revisit and try to um, seek justice because he knows it's a broken system. Um, And so the, the man at the center of the story um, is played by Jamie Foxx. His name's Walter McMillan. They call him Johnny B. Uh, in the the movie, and Jamie Foxx is just fantastic. But uh, a man who basically was a victim of a racist system, um, basically was framed. Had a well, I say framed. Had uh, basically a faulty witness that convicted him to death, um, and so their stories collide. And this this is the case at the center of Just Mercy. Um, although uh, throughout Brian's career, he's he's fought many, many court cases and gotten many people who are unjustly on death row freed. It's it's kind of incredible. Um, and then uh, he he basically forms this organization um, with Eva Ansley, who's played by Brie Larson, who you would know as Captain Marvel. Um, and she's just a fantastic. Uh, 
Captain Marvel. But uh, the it's a very simple plot. It's a it's a court case, almost like a um, you've got this uh, courtroom drama feel to it. But there's so much more to it because it's a, a story of family. It's a story of racism. It's a story of um, trying to fight an uphill battle against a system that is so um, against a certain type of people. Um, and it's just, uh, it's a very simple film. And the, in this, this fact that it's about this one case, but the ramifications of this can be applied to so much. Um, and it even, I think rolls over into what we're seeing today um, with the, uh, the murder of George Floyd and, and seeing like how, complete injustice can be committed and everyone is aware of it, but still turns a blind eye. So um, anyway, that's more or less why this film is important right now. It's why Warner brothers is making it available. Uh, and it's why we're talking about it. Yeah. Um, good summary. Way better than I could have done. I, I, uh, <laughs> I balked there. You were going to do like a walkthrough you, of the film. You, you come in and- See, opens uh, yeah, it, on it, woods. It, Camera looks. It up. opens on woods. That's. I mean, that's. I will say that's the moment that I stopped taking notes. Is as soon as the film opens, it it is filmed very well. We talk yeah. a lot about cinematography. Um, it is filmed very well. Uh, I was appreciative of even their night scenes, like looking yeah. like actual night scenes when they're sitting on the porch. It looks like they're being lit by the actual streetlights. There, there's just this nice orange cast. Anyways, mm-hmm. beyond that. It was it. The film struck me from the very moment that it opened um, because it's a very idealistic scene. You see, basic. You see Jamie Fox mm-hmm. um, as Walter McMillan. Um, they are um, felling some trees. I guess yeah. is the active word for that. But there's really, to me, I was met. I was struck by the symbolism yeah. there. Same um, of. It comes up later in the film about the peace and tranquility that he would find by looking up through the trees to the sky uh, and knowing that those trees had existed before him and would exist after he was. And I, that was such an, a beautiful moment. But but when the film opens, you you know none of that. And and for me, the thing that struck me as the symbolism was the lynchings that were um, real life of that day. Uh, and even the city in which it is, the town in which it is uh, happening, is the city where Harper Lee wrote To Kill a Mockingbird, right. based on her her experiences in the courtroom with her dad. And I just could not get out of my mind when it opens up on, on basically a rope hanging from a tree with with uh, a red ball attached to it. it. It just struck me as... This is how many people of color met their fate. Yeah. And it just struck me as like here in this moment, then later on you find that this is an idyllic scene for him and it reminds him of the quiet. And it just struck me from that very opening scene of just like their hard work seeking to provide. He's trying to provide from his family. He's done pretty well. They were, uh, you know, even the cops were pointing out his uh, pretty awesome tricked out truck. Um, and, but at the same time, he's just on his way home from work and listening to music and it all turned south from him. Mm. 
and I've I I've had several people give me stories of similar occurrences where they were just doing something normal mm-hmm. and they were afraid for their life because they they weren't at some point later on down the film right so Brian gets pulled over and and he's been actively like fighting the justice system right like he's been actively fighting to say like this is this is injustice and then of course he gets pulled over by the police and threatened right but like mm-hmm. at this point you know nothing about Walter McMillan other than he he is a uh, he he's basically a logger and and then all of a sudden he's just thrown into turmoil and then the movie glazes over his trial they they show it as almost like documentary style you just see these newsroom footage of him just getting sentenced mm-hmm. and put him almost immediately on death row and it's just you just get the sense of confusion and frustration and like what you just don't like for me i just couldn't process what was happening yeah um and i'm just experiencing it as a story um i can't imagine drive just driving home from work and then all of a sudden you don't know if you're gonna be shot and killed on the side of the road you don't know if you're gonna be pulled over for something illegitimate because he's he's very clearly confused. I don't know. It just, yeah, that that ability that trouble of just living normal life and how the film delicately but directly faces that head on. It doesn't yeah. like throw it in your face. Anyways, I I, I think it's no, here, it's but. a good tangent though, and I think that's sort of the heart of this film and why it works. Um, and I've been thinking a lot about that recently. The reason so many people, I think, still are uh, unwilling to uh, like listen or try to understand like the black lives matter movement or, will, or don't want to, to listen to what's going on um, is because they're, they're distancing themselves from it. And maybe they don't have any friends that are people of color or those they do, they don't bother to get to know. Um, because I mean, like I've had so many conversations uh, with friends who were um like followed by the police for no reason other than their skin color um, who, mm-hmm. you know, share what it's like when, you know, cop pulls them over, you know, it's, you know, there, there's, there's so many things that are very real fears. And when you talk to someone face to face and you experience it hits differently because you're getting the emotion and you're getting like, Oh, this is affecting people. This is not just some vague movement. So in this film, we're focusing on this one person we're seeing. Um, I mean, it's, it's dramatized cause it's a film. So you get the music and stuff, but it, it's such a raw and somewhat real performance. I mean, I feel like Jamie Fox gives one of the best performances I've seen him give in this. Yes. Um, it's just, there's pain. There's uh, it's almost like resignation that this is the way things are for a while. But then when he finds hope, it's just like, you see it in his eyes. And I feel like mm. this is the kind of thing that could give that spark to people who have maybe um, like blinded themselves and chosen to look away. Cause in this sense, it's, you know, it's not a person, you know, personally, but you're able to have an inside look at what someone, one person out of many experienced. Um, and that's the point is that this is one horrible story. Um, and this is happening so much and we need more people fighting like you see in this film, like for justice. 
And I mean, like if this film had been just a bunch of different people kind of, you know, no one really focused on it's about Brian, it'd be nice and it'd be encouraging. And it's like, oh, wow, look at what he started. But I think, you know, having Walter McMillan as the focus of the film, it elevates this issue and it it shows us um, a more personal level of systemic racism and what it does. Yeah, I think uh, that's one of the things that really struck me just even in our the Marco Polo conversations we've been having is people, you know, trying to maybe look at the broad level of it and, you know, think about the statistics and things like that. And and what, what just kept striking me is just systems are made up of people. Yeah. The people are part of what's going on that at every level of this film, there were people involved, specific individuals, both on both sides, upholding or not upholding the law, or upholding a version of the law they le- believed to be true. And it wasn't the fact that there were racist laws on the books. It wasn't the fact that there was any sort of thing. Sure, you could argue that maybe their neighborhood was poor because of redlining or something. Who knows whatever some some other... Um, statute that got removed mm-hmm. was was having lasting effects, but at every level, it was people standing in the way or seeking to stand in the gap between yeah. what they're seeing. And I think that's, I, I think you you hit it without uh, you hit the nail on the head because the film would not. I don't think. I think it is a good jumping off point for people who may have struggle seeing injustice mm-hmm. period on a broad scale, or maybe don't have much experience outside of their own lives in, in particular. I think this gives you a very close window in a way that is not necessarily newsworthy. Like it, yeah. it, it isn't, it isn't, it isn't like dramatized in like a news kind of way. It's, it's, dramatized in a way that makes you feel in your gut exactly the way that Walter felt exactly the way that his wife felt exactly the way that his son feels when he sees Mm. the system condemn his dad to death exactly and he's just screaming don't you're killing my dad yeah um I just I I think the film would not work if it was broad oh no not at all I think that but even if it even if it it does it well by doing it um, by bringing you into somebody's specific life, a small, a small life in a rural town in Alabama and says, this is what it's like to be this person. And I think that's what starts to change people's hearts Yeah, because they see other people up close and see, I may not look like this person. I may not have care about everything they care about but I'm like this person. I can see myself as this person. And yeah. that's step one into empathy. And that's, and that, and that brings you into what justice truly looks like. Yeah. And I think uh, this would be a great point to, to share one of the, uh, the tweets we got about this film um, from follower Jimmy. Um, Cause I think he kind of addresses um, like that point uh, really well, but he said, Michael B. Jordan continues to excel and Brie Larson is quietly devastating. But for me, Jamie Foxx stole the film. 
His performance is so layered and just a look in his eyes speaks volumes. It's a very important film that deserves to be seen. Racism is a plague that has destroyed this world and people still think a human's life is all about their skin color. Um, I think that that line that he said, the racism is a plague that has destroyed this world, that um, that stood out uh, about his comment because, you know, you follow up a comment about Jamie Foxx's performance and then and you look at that. <laughs> I was like that that's that's how this film shows that is it's uh, it's easier to kind of dismiss an evil when you don't see how it affects a person. Um, but in this film, it's not just, a, oh, that's not a very nice thing to say. You see, oh, no, no, this is straight up evil. This is something that is like an evil, uh, a plague. I think, Jimmy, you, you said it really well there. Um, that is, it's destroyed the world. It's destroyed so many lives. And um, it's something that must be fought. And, uh, yeah, I think we're all on the same page with that. That is probably the most powerful uh, point of the film for me yeah I, I to see his character arc as well um to see how he um at first is just you know again he's very confused about what happened and then he the next time we see him after following brian for a bit he's very much jaded yeah and his his other mates on uh inmates on death row we're very much excited about Brian coming, uh, really pumped, uh, to, to put it lightly, about what he could do to really shine a light at, to the, onto their experiences. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and yet, you know, he's, he's, Walter's just like, no, like, that's, like I'm, I'm done fighting it. This, I'm resigned to be that. Uh, and then you see the turning point in the film where he sees Brian not give up. He talks to uh, the guy who accused him falsely and he hears that he sees hope yet again. And mm-hmm. I think that's one of my favorite scenes. And I think, I don't know if that's what Jimmy had in mind, but the layering of Jamie Foxx in that scene where he is talking to Brian and saying, you can't give up. Mm-hmm. You brought hope back in my life. Even if it means that I still die, you brought, you gave me back myself right uh and that's something that they can never take away um and i just man my heart broke in that scene um because i not don't know the story and i don't know if he's gonna have a similar fate to her yeah um, oh, gosh, i don't know her. if they're gonna win Whew, that was um <laughs> are we are we are we gonna go there uh i mean we should but yeah i think um, we should i think um but yeah, I mean, like you, you just don't know, like to close that thought, you don't know if he's going to win or not. Um, at that point, you hope so. You hope that the story is not just about Brian being able to find who he is, but it's about redemption and reconciliation for Walter. Um, but you don't know. And so, you know, ultimately you find out and you see in such almost the reconciliation is almost a letdown, but it's so cathartic because like you almost want it to be where Brian argues his way out of it. And then it's just like over the overwhelming evidence ends up convincing a jury. Right. But ultimately it's like just the DA decides to say, you know what, this evidence is compelling enough to say that this should never have gone to trial in the first place. And that small move, 
from the justice system that could have prevented him from going to trial in the very beginning could have saved everyone all of this. Yeah. And yeah. it's just, and well, it just so, feels so worthless. Yeah. Like, like it, it's a letdown in the fact of like, you want it like in a movie sense, like you want it to be like this big, like he argues this amazing thing. And then it's like, yeah, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, then you see the, basically you see the sheriff ousted, you know, and burned at the stake essentially and all these things. But you don't get that. You just get real life, which is the DA quietly succumbs and says, you know what? This is right. His conscience gets the better of him. And then everything goes back to, quote unquote, how it should have been. All right. And that and that just breaks my heart. Yeah. And I mean, it, I guess you could say this conscience gets him. But I, I even then I was skeptical because it's like I still feel a lot of it is like, oh, this is going to make life so difficult for me i might as well just let this one go kind of a situation um and i guess that kind of would be a good segue into another thing i think we should talk about and it's the way that the film um portrays the justice system um and kind of that element of the film because i mean a good a good film needs an antagonist (laughs) and uh, we definitely have a doozy of one uh in this film (laughs) To put it lightly. Yeah, and I think I think most of the comments that we've gotten um, and some of the recordings have been basically how the depiction of the justice system in the film affected them. Um, and I mean, rightly so. I mean, that is the source of the entire situation that um, that robs you know so many people of their life. But um, like, time, uh, several people you know were like, the justice system needs to be just. Um, people need proper re- representation. Uh, it shows how the justice system needs massive reform. Um, we had both Aaron and Candace um, on our Facebook, I think, say those. Um, and uh, it's just, I don't know. Like, I, I think I've not seen a film before that was willing to um, just so brazenly show the justice system for what it is, essentially. You know, like we're supposed to have as Americans, like this hope in the justice system and that like, you know, ultimately justice will prevail. And this is a film that's like, no, it doesn't. It, it doesn't. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah. And it, it literally kind of lays it in your lap and it's like, okay, you're going to have to help us do something about this. Mm-hmm. I don't know. So I'm going to kind of set those nuggets of <laughs> thoughts out there and uh, see where you want to take it. Yeah. Um, we might want to play some of those things on air if you'd like. Yeah, let's do that. Um, some of the stuff, and then and then we can take a quick break, play those things. And then we can come back and talk about. Yeah, because I think we've talked uh, a good bit about kind of the the protagonist side of the story. I think it's good to maybe address like the the monster in the room. Yeah, <laughs> so to speak. Um, so yeah, let's let's come back here in just a second and uh, play those, and then uh, we'll. Uh, talk all about (laughs) all about sheriff tate and everybody else and his gang all right i have so many thoughts about just mercy i saw just mercy when it was in the theaters um i feel like a lot of people are seeing it now because of what's going on and if i'm totally honest the first thought that i have is that i'm shocked that people are just now watching it it's appalling to me if I'm being totally honest because this is not a new issue 
that just surfaced because of George Floyd. It's an or, it's an issue that's been around for a really long time. And if I could describe how I felt about Just Mercy in one word, I would say that it was chilling. And if you think about the movie and you think about the scene where Herb is being executed, uh, his the lawyer is there and he's watching and they portray that so well. And it's just such a, a heartbreaking moment where you feel so deeply that he had pain and hurt that didn't get addressed in the proper way. And because he wasn't given what he needed, he therefore was punished. And so I think that scene in the movie really says a lot to me about the way that African-Americans have experienced life here for a very long time. And that is that the system fails them and then they are punished for it. And it's wrong. There's nothing right about it. I think the other thing that really has grabbed my heart all the times that I've seen Just Mercy is just how easy it is when a crime isn't solved to just look for a way to solve it so we can move on. And that's not true justice. And I think if, the ta if it were me and it were my family and someone were harmed and the police were like, we just need to say that, we need to say we figured it out and they accuse someone wrongfully and then someone else that committed the crime was still running around somewhere, I would feel so betrayed by the justice system. And I feel like the justice system often uses African Americans as an easy out and therefore actually betrays white people. And it's unfair. It's unfair to both the families who have lost a teenage daughter and it's also unfair to the people who are wrongfully accused and I think there's so many deep deep complex parts of that whole situation that none of us will really ever understand but I do think that Just Mercy does a really good job of scratching the surface of portraying some of that to people who otherwise wouldn't know anything about it. We just watched Just Mercy this week and it was very powerful. A couple of things struck me on it. One is just the willingness to overlook evidence and uh, not care about an entire people and community at every level of power in this county, from the police to both the, the prosecuting attorney and the defense attorney. Neither one cared about evidence or getting other people to testify in the trial. The sheriff himself, even the the prison system, the judge. I mean, it just seemed like everyone was stacked against this man as well as the entire black community and so it just struck me with man the the feeling of helplessness and powerlessness that everyone had to feel when they all could speak to this man's innocence but no one cared enough to listen or even ask and that feeling of there's nothing you can do um, it reminded me of if you haven't seen it the Khalif Browder story it was on Netflix. I'm not sure if it still is. Also, the thing that struck me was that the sheriff that covered all this up and um, helped all this to happen back, I mean, this was 30 years ago. It wasn't that long ago. That man was sheriff in that county till 2019, till last year. That's disappointing. Man. One thing the movie Just Mercy impressed upon me is that the injustices faced by minorities um, in our legal system 
is a current problem because we live in a day and age when it's popular to say that racism is dead, slavery is over, we've had a black president, and I don't think many people see the, um, the systemic oppression within our legal system. But this movie was made by a man who experienced it himself and is fighting it still today. He is still alive. And so it really shows us that it's a current problem. And that was what I walked away thinking about from the movie. The things that stood out to me about Just Mercy is, one, they do a really good job of showing just uh, how unjust our justice system is uh, from top to bottom. Um, just showing the, the corruption from the police force to the lawyers that are called to defend the innocent and to the judges. And then it also kind of does a good job of showing us how currently it seems like our justice system is set up in which the poor are guilty and the rich are innocent. And lastly, I would say also it kind of serves a reminder that we need to temper our emotions and opinions when it comes to death row inmates and really not be quick to judge and pray that those that are innocent on death row would uh, receive justice and exonerations. So that's what uh, stood out to me about the movie. All right, welcome back, everybody. Um, uh, thanks for joining us. Um, uh, we just played for you a couple comments from uh, some of our friends and listeners of the podcast. Um, and uh, there's some sobering ideas yeah. in there. And we just wanted to take a moment, let you hear their voices, um, and then talk about like Bowman mentioned, the main antagonist of the film, the the entire justice system and the people of Monroeville. Um, I'll, I'll be honest, Bowman, to, to kind of get us started, to me, this film very much plays and has so many similarities to um, one of my favorite films of all time. And obviously, it's mentioned in the film as well, which is To Kill yeah. a Mockingbird. Um and I, 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 of course, know that that's intentional. Um, it's, it very much plays out just like that. Yeah. Um, and it's such a sober, that is a sobering book and movie. Um, and I think this is where it's so clear that uh, in the 20s, when, that, when the book is set, that there's such deep ingrained racist bias against black people that you can't even leave a black person alone with a white woman or else she will be deflowered essentially mm. and come to find out that it's essentially the white father who is to blame for her condition as well as in terms of being beat up and to and in some sense towards um towards tom they're just mm -hmm. between the two and just how i mean even down to the sheriff's name yeah. um and the location uh, i think that it, there are just the people of the book and of the movie are unwilling to see the inherent injustice within the system itself to where Atticus delivers quite possibly the most solid argument 
for a human's life to be spared. And the all-white jury does not care one bit about it, and they convict him anyways. And then Tom dies almost as an aside, just trying yeah. to escape from prison, knowing that what was awaiting for him on the other side. And here we are 70 years later, essentially. Um, and this, the book was, Mark was based in part on some true events that shaped uh, Harper Lee and her dad. And I just, I couldn't help but try to put myself in the helplessness of seeing the system failing consistently yet again. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, at the end of the movie, they, they even call out, I think, I think uh, Brian Stevenson helped free 147 different inmates on death row based on lack of evidence or poor representation. Right. And, and then one in nine are found to be ultimately innocent, like completely innocent. And I just, I have said yeah. it before. <laughs> I, I, words, I'm, I, they just, they just fail. Um, so yeah, I, I think it does yeah. us right to talk about the, not just the implications on a personal level, but the implications on a social level as well. Uh, yeah. from, from the entire society aspect, I guess. No, totally. Um, and I think uh, one of the things that struck me most by uh, Laura's comments on this was the idea of the system letting an entire um, like subset of Americans down and then punishing them for it. Um, and that's, I think, ultimately why it's, like, recognizable as being so unjust. And, like, looking at Herb, um, a difficult storyline, but necessary in the film to see, you know, uh, how, like, what the stakes were, but also how this went beyond just, like, um, did you do it, did you do it? It's like, are you getting fair representation? Because you have... Um, a question of mental health and like a system that like this poor person was not able to address his mental health was not together. Um, And then, you know, as a result, then he's being punished because he couldn't, you know, control himself. And and that's just like a really poor way of wording it. Um, But this film does a good job of not only examining the ways that the justice system fails but i think just the entire system in general um it goes beyond just uh you know law like i know right now that's kind of the the conversation um but even looking at just uh in america in general just uh all the different sides of society and how um black people are maligned and still treated um, so poorly, especially in the South, but I mean, I wouldn't say it's only the South. Definitely not. You see it everywhere because um, people <laughs> can be wicked anywhere. I mean, you laugh, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think we would both see it as um, I see it. Obviously, it's easy to to see someone of a different color or different uh, ethnicity as different than you and in some ways less than you or or not as good as maybe not less but like that you're some way better which I guess means less but you know at some point you justify yourself to being like you're 
the way that you eat things or the way that you do things or the music that you listen to is kind of the best way. And I think we can do that regardless of maybe malicious intent, but I think we can, we can stumble into these areas to where we end up justifying kind of maligning entire people groups just because they're not part of our tribe. Um, And instead of seeing us as part of the ultimate tribe, I think, one very simple way the film addresses that is by Brian driving through the city. Um, at the very beginning of the film, he's driving through the city, getting to know Monroeville. And yeah. as he's driving by, it's a very much, you know, a, a what you would consider to be a typical 80s suburban scene. There are kids playing in sprinklers. They're all white, you know, men cutting their grass, somebody grilling out, I think, and, you know, very, you know, not, not super nice homes, but well-kept homes. And then later on down the road, he drives down a farm road where you can barely see his car uh, above the crops. And then you see shotgun homes on stilts with, you know, peeling paint completely, disheveled just completely different you can only imagine what the school looked like um and and that's honestly one of the things that meant a lot to walter uh he said i hear you visited my family you drove down that dirt road to see my family yeah i just thought that that was such a a telling difference an easy a, a way for the film to very easily give you the difference between what what life means for one side of the tracks versus the other. Yeah, Um, no, exactly. Yeah. That's a really good way to put it. Um, And I think that, yeah, those kinds of uh, like, it's just, it's, you know, dialogue free, but the imagery is so heavy, just setting up the society of this part of America. Um, And even uh, like, I was really struck when he's driving to the prison for the first time when he's going to start interviewing some of the death row inmates. And he, uh, he has to stop for a moment in the road because some of the inmates are working out in the fields and they're wearing like these white jumpsuits and just the imagery. It's straight out of the 19th century. It's straight out of slavery America and it's Mm. jarring and you can tell it jars him because it's he knows what he's there to do, but I don't think even at that point Brian realized just how ingrained in the toxic past this town was. Um, and that's it's it's an image, you know, because they're they're inmates, but it's it's a metaphor for what's going on, kind of emotionally and spiritually, and mentally with this town. Um, and I thought it was a brilliant filmmaking choice, but also like it makes you kind of think, and you're like, wait. What, that still happens in 1989. You know, that's it, it's just jarring and it's supposed to, it's supposed to kind of shake you up a bit because you're not expecting this. Oh, well, yeah. When I saw the trooper on top of the horse with the shotgun ready to go, and then, yeah, black men in, in jumpsuits walking across like it was, yeah, no, there was nothing outside of my mind other than this is no different than a plantation. And yeah. one one would argue, of course, people would say, well, these men deserved this. Um, and uh, I say to that, one, you don't know that they did. 
um, first of all, but also just because someone, man, I struggle with this and this is where the honesty is going to get me at some point, but it's okay. Um, how, what do you do when, when, if you believe that somebody is made in the image of God, how do you treat them even if they've done something horribly evil? Mm. Um, and that, and that is where I struggle. And that's where I think the film handles even the death penalty to some degree with an art of delicacy, but also not looking away. Uh, Cause it's not graphic, but it is like, it's, I mean, I hate to draw this comparison, but it's almost Hitchcockian in the way that it handles the, the electric chair uh, in this it's, instance. It's all um, about what you don't see. It's the buildup. Uh, yeah, the thriller-esque of it, of being able to, even the inmates, and that proves yeah. to be a very big turning point in the film, where you find out that Walter and his accuser were put on death row before their trial. Yeah. And that they were able to hear and smell the screams and the skin burning of somebody who was executed that week. Mm. And I just, I tried to put myself in that position. Um, and, and, and I've done the same with films about World War II and, and concentration camps where you just, you can almost smell what's going on on the screen mm. and you yeah. can hear it. And I just, I tried to put myself in that position and to go, what would I do? Would I lose hope? Would I lose faith? How can we treat humans in this way, in the in under the guise of saying justice and helping another family sleep at night? Because that's how the sheriff justified it, right? Like, he, I don't want to dig this up for this family again. Uh, for the for the lady yeah. parents who were, yeah. it's an interesting point, and I, I think I, I also I'm thinking about uh, something. Uh, I think it was in the clip she sent, but Laura was also talking about um, this idea of um, the system letting everyone down just because they're unjust with the treatment of of people of color. Because um, it's like in that case, like if you're not going to be just to them, you're letting everyone down because you you can't be trusted to um bring justice um and it's interesting because that that kind of logic is used negatively um by the prosecuting attorney in the film it's this idea of like oh we've you know if we let him go you know we've got people want to sleep at night and it's like you know he's using that as like a reverse logic knowing that he's manipulated the outcome um but i mean yeah. considering that it's like on the on the flip side if it comes out that you've had people who've been threatening um, inmates and manipulating them to lie, give false testimony just so they can put a black person on death row, um, that completely shatters your, your trust in the system that's supposed to protect you. And so in that case, it's not only, you know, the system is not only letting uh, black people down, it's letting everyone down. Um, and yeah, I mean, not that that's the reason why people should care. Um, we should care because it's injustice. But I am honestly surprised that like that kind of a thing doesn't bother more people. 
Um, you know, if like if we see injustice like this in this film, um, you know, it, it bothers you. Um, but then when you think about the fact that literally everyone under the jurisdiction of these these elected officials um, are basically um, at risk because they're dishonest, racist crooks, you know, that's a problem. Um, and what 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 was it? The, yeah. the sheriff stayed in office until last year, like in real life. Twenty nineteen. Yeah. yeah. 30 years like that. Yeah. That shook me up when I saw that. I, I, I was angry. I was I was yeah. literally angry. I, I fully anticipated, you know, again, I think I mentioned this in another part, but I fully anticipated it to be like a cathartic moment where you see justice served, you know, the DA, his job is threatened or the yeah. previous DA who caused this, you know, and all this kind of stuff. But you get nope. none of that. Real life doesn't, doesn't give you those things necessarily. This ain't Green Book. And... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, don't even get me started. Uh, but yeah, it, it, it really, you know, I, I personally would see the DA's turn a bit more conscience driven. Uh, maybe it's because I'm more of an idealist than you. <laughs> um, but um, that I, I see it as his wife's talked to him about it. He's, he's seemed to be conflicted a bit yeah. during the film. Uh, and it seems to be when he's around other people. Um, specifically white people in power, that he tends to be what may be a good old boy about it. Like he tends to kind of hold the party line. But there were some moments where I saw him start to get moved. Mm -hmm. But he was, he, things are so ingrained in him that he's struggling to find who he is personally. Uh, I mean, I think a good a good uh, picture of that too is the guard at the um, yes at the yes I loved that who yeah I mean he straight up strip searches um, uh, straight up strip searches Brian and like belittles yeah. him complete, complete humiliation has yeah. such a smug yeah such a smug look on his face I just wanted to slap him I, I was did just like like Laura Laura. <laughs> Uh, Laura and I were just both like appalled, knowing that that type of thing yeah. happens, and it's just it's another thing to see it again personally, and then to just see his arc throughout the film. I, I just see the DA having a similar yeah. thing. Like at the beginning, he's all big and bad. He just got elected. You you can see that. that like I think they mentioned that he is a, a fresh DA, and so he's trying to prove himself. And he doesn't, you know, I, I can see it from my perspective. The first thing that I would do as a DA, even if I wanted justice, would probably try to win the respect and trust of the people. And that probably wouldn't be in, like, revisiting a case that's already torn the city yeah, apart. Yeah. I, you know, like, I'm, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to look at it from his yeah. point of view. And I mean, I, you could look at it a couple it different ways. And I think he is the one complex character that, like, I... I think what happened with him in the end is what I expected. Um, but I also, I, I don't know, like I, you, you want to see more catharsis for sure. Um, but uh, I think the point being that these people are impacted and they're changed by personal interactions and personal relationships. I mean, like you're talking about the the guard, like the more time he spends around, 
um, you know, uh, Brian and throughout the case and stuff, the more respect he gains till by the end, you see, oh, this this man has legit changed like his attitude and the way that he approaches them is different. And I think even with that, um, like it, when um, Brian goes to the family and he's talking to them and they're talking about like he would never do that, like they don't and everyone's vouching for his character. Like it boils down to that. It's like when you know a person, you know their character, like it, it changes everything. And you've got this white part of town that mm. refuses to get to know the black people. And so literally they're just making up like they, like they're saying, like it's it wasn't a big stretch for them to think he raped someone or killed someone because, you know, like they they were already racist, already looking down on them did not know them personally. So there was nothing in their mind that would make them hesitate to think, Oh yeah, of course he's the murderer. Um, And they, and they thought bad of him, particularly Walter because of his, you know, his affair with a white woman. Yeah. Um, And that you get the sense that that obviously that, that started this whole, you know, started it down the road of him getting accused and people focusing on him of, uh, again, and more of a, like, to kill Mockingbird, like, more of a, we have to find, like, we don't like this guy and we have to find somebody to blame. Yeah. And this guy looks, I mean, Jamie Foxx pulls off the, I look like a bad dude at certain points in time. Um, and that's, I think, jarring for me and Laura in particular. We both said, like, if we saw his face on the news, we'd be probably predisposed to think that he did something wrong. And how wrong is that? And how hard that is to say for me publicly, but that's, that's where, and that's a good place to be though. I think that's why this film is out and it's why it needs to be seen is it's for self-examining. I mean, this is a film that we're supposed to not just watch like, Oh, that's entertaining. That's good acting, but it's supposed to be like a look in the mirror. People like, like, what do you do to participate in this kind of system? What do you do in your life that is an expression of white privilege or, you know, um, just discrimination? Even if you don't realize it, it doesn't like it, it, we're still responsible for it. You know, and we're responsible to look in the mirror, yeah. learn where we're erring um, and to correct that. And it's like, um, OK, I'm going to go into this. The Green Book thing. <laughs> I saw that. uh the help was like the number one viewed film on Netflix this past week. And um, that, and then like green book and a lot of these other types of white savior films. And it just kind of bummed me because I'm like, that is not helpful at all to this talk. Like it's this idea of like, Oh look, white people can come in and help fix up the mess. And then look how wonderful we are for not being racist. And, and I think that that narrative is just so messed up when in reality, like, the this film shows us that like really our responsibility is to stand up to the system and to like kind of like fight back it's like uh, it, it's um and i'm not gonna be like an anarchist or like you know viva whatever anyway i'm just i'm just noting the difference between those types of films and what they require of the viewer um and i feel like watching green book on first viewing i was like oh, i like that film that's nice it's a feel-good film but then the more I thought about it, I was like the way it depicted it depicted your your black character versus your white character is very off. And it very much mm-hmm. like elevated like it was the white savior complex of like look what he did. Um and it once again from a place of privilege it kind of 
demeans a person of color. And I feel like in yeah. cinema, I've started to notice that a lot more. It's a lot easier to pick up on. Yeah, I, 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 I definitely, I definitely agree. I think one part that I would kindfully push back would be to to think about. I don't. I've never liked films that are like this. One person came in, and then this white. You know, I, I'm thinking of a few like teacher films. You know that they get shown a lot of like this white teacher comes in and like shows all these ethnic minorities that they can play nice together. And then magically everything's better again. <laughs> like I think those are those are bad for a lot of yeah. people, and it doesn't really talk about the complexity of what happens. But it does again. It, it gives it to being like these people can't help themselves on their own. They need some other help. That's it. That's I, I a think good way to say there's it. An, an another way of looking at it, which is that if the people in privilege don't come to the aid in terms of they don't stop looking down from their ivory tower, so to speak, that that there are things that will will never be able to be overcome until everyone stands yeah. together. And and I and I think that that's and that's why it doesn't offend me. I do I did really love the fact that there were very few white people in this film other than the quote unquote antagonists. Yeah. Uh, that it wasn't, you know, you do have Brie Larson, um, but other than that, like it is a film about a black man helping other black men on death row out uh have the help that they need to get out from under the thumb of injustice. Yeah. And I loved that. And I thought that was very yeah. refreshing. Oh, it really was. I do think there's still a place to think about how, how somebody can walk alongside as Ava Ansley ha- did walk alongside to say, it's not just up to us to fix it. It's up to us to listen. It's up to us to walk through it's up to us to remove barriers, but everyone is responsible for their own change in yeah. that regard. And so, yeah, I don't like white savior no. films that make it about like this one person came in and magically everything is better. But at the same time, I do like the fact that it inspires me personally. Yeah, yeah. And those no, films have played a role that. in my life. Sort of the, the caveat with that sort of where I'm coming from and thinking is you look in this film, um, Ava's family's threatened, you know, she, is worried yeah. that she's going to lose her her family to a bombing because she is standing with uh, a black man, you know, and it's like that mm. kind of thing. I think the the question is: Are your white characters in the film are they kind of like reaching down? Like the ivory tower uh, metaphor is perfect, um, or is this a, a level of like getting messy and sacrificing personal comfort, um, like? in like the local what's what's the word um like the way people view you you know your your reputation um or even like putting yourself in harm's way for the sake of standing for justice like is that what's going on and it's like um i think that's the important thing is that it's like this idea of all standing together um and it's 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 good to see characters like that cuz it's inspiring yeah definitely cuz like i can never um, assume to know what it's like to deal with, you know, like living with that kind of weight on me. 
um, because I'm white and it's like, I, I wish I could help bear the burden, but that's, that's not a thing I can really understand, but I can stand alongside and fight with and, you know, do as much as I can. And I feel like that's an inspiring thing to see on screen for someone like me. It's not just educate yourself, but it's also, Hey, here's something you can do. And this is the kind of person you can be in this. And I mean, obviously I love Brie Larson. She is one of the finest working actors, actresses today, but like that character, it's just like, yeah, like totally. I, I love what she's doing. She's doing what she can. So she's yeah. not overstepping her bounds either and assuming things that she shouldn't. Yeah. I, I, I think it handled a lot of those things really well. And in a different, like we said, in a different way than films that, that have been yeah. in the past and other previous best picture winners. <laughs> Why didn't this one end up in on any Oscar radar? Oh, I don't know, man. Um, yeah. But, but yeah, I think that there's, um, Man, there was something else that I was going to talk about, and I can't remember what it was now. But it was this film. I think one of the things that I thought about this morning as I was trying to prepare my heart for talking about it is just that of I've been hesitant to watch this film for about two Mm. weeks because of the emotional turmoil that would happen in my heart. Because I get of that. It. Like worry about love. Like, am I emotionally ready to watch it? And I think I, I in fact, I talked to a, a really, a really close brother of mine that I've known for 15 years, um, who has really helped open my eyes to the struggles as, that he's had as a black man. Uh, growing up in one of the poorest neighborhoods in Memphis. And and one of the things that we really talked about today was just the lament of his people. And the fact that I get I get the privilege of shutting my TV down at the end of the night. And I don't have if I don't want to watch the news about protests, if I don't want to watch if I don't want to see anything about Facebook, I can easily yeah. avoid it. I have enough white friends that aren't posting about it that would that, that could easily avoid it, uh, or I could just it's not on my 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 mind the same way. And as I'm getting ready this morning, I'm just struck by the fact of how privileged am I just to be able to say I don't want to watch this film because it might emotionally wreck me, and I want to be prepared for that. And, and of course, there's some good things to know how to guard your own heart and not watch things that might cause you to have really yeah. horrific days, of course. But how privileged am I to not be able to go through that limit, to not have it weighing on me and that pressure to say, I want to see what other people's struggles are that mm-hmm. are just like me. And being compelled to watch this film and being able, unable to look away from the television, as my friends have talked to me about, because they see they see their brothers and sisters, people of their tribe, so to speak, hurting and lamenting and desperate for answers. And they don't get the same privilege of being able to wait for the right moment to watch something in the same way. And they're living it. Mm-hmm. And I just got was struck by that the reality of the fact that there are 
there were 20 plus people who said that Walter McMillan was not where the uh, one white person said he was. And yet he got arrested and normally for a white person, one person would be an alibi. And yet he and his family had to live with the emotional turmoil of he was just fixing his car on a Saturday and now he's in death row for years. And I'm just, whoo. And I, that's that's where the that's where it, it starts getting visceral for me, and and I don't know how to help, and I and I asked friends and neighbors to encourage each other how to yeah. help specifically because I don't think the answer is putting hashtag Black Lives Matter on posts on Facebook. Um, I I don't think no. that's the answer. That's like the um, bare minimum because I don't I don't see that as being no. personal, <laughs> right? Yeah, and I, but I don't think that people who put that are actually doing anything effectively. Uh, I think that there's some good that comes of those types of things, but I think that we there is such, as we've mentioned, such systemic things going on from how schools are funded to how the police is funded to how mental health institutions are funded to how all sorts of things are taken care of that are not going to just be corrected by yeah. creating a social yeah. movement. Uh, um, social no, movement I get that. Is, and I mean, you bring um, up a good point so. and I do want to say this, like if you're listening, like we're going to put um, some extra information on our, on our social media. I'll make sure that's up when this uh, episode airs um, just that sort of points you in some directions of good resources and ways to get involved and help. Um, and, um, I think it's something we can all be doing is looking for ways locally, like start local and then branch out like locally, you know, what are some organizations? Um, what are, who are the politicians you need to talk to? Um, and, and maybe even some like book suggestions I might, you know, send about, uh, how to, um, like understand what white privilege and systemic racism are doing and how to combat that. We, can, we need to educate ourselves on this. We need to know what we're talking about and doing and not just kind of blindly step into it because then we could, you know, do more harm than good if we're not careful. So, um, yeah, just, yeah. The biggest, the biggest thing I've heard consistently from people knee deep in it is yeah, just absolutely. Listen. And believe and not just listen, um, but listen and then believe. Like, I mean, I feel like we as a society have put more weight to what a white person says than a black person. And that's just wrong. I mean, you see it time and time again. It's like in that case, like for instance, you know, 20 black people gave an alibi and didn't matter because they're black. And it's just, that was jarring. And I was like, that's, there was no case against him. And he still ended up on death row because of this racist notion that the voice of a white person mattered more and trumped anything else. And like, what kind of arrogant privilege is that? So, yeah. Well, any, any closing thoughts on your end? Um, yeah, maybe just a quick thought uh, that I think these are difficult conversations to have, but they're important. And um, uh, movies like this, aren't you know necessarily fun to watch um but i think this shows the power of cinema it's not just to entertain and to turn our minds off but it's to enrich us and 
like when I encounter art of any kind, whether it's music or literature or a film, I want to to leave it changed and viewing the world in a new way. Um, and I feel like we've got certain filmmakers out there that are doing a really good job with that. Um, so kudos to Destin Daniel Cretton and the Just Mercy production team, because you've made a film that's uh, kind of making waves and getting people talking. Um, and um, it's, as we can see in our news now, it's a, it's a very important and timely matter. So um, this is a good one to, to watch with people and then talk about it. You know, so that would be the way I encourage you to do it. But very good. Yeah. Yeah. We we have a, a watch. Um, I hesitate to say party, but there's a there's a group conversation um, happening, uh, I think, next weekend um, that some people at our church are getting together and going to watch it and pray and talk through the things in the film and just really seek to invite people into the conversation into lives what are what are small practical things because yeah you know it's it's I, again the small practical thing we, we talked about the guard who was changed he just i mean one of the smallest things that he could do was look the other way and allow walter to yeah. see his family he could have very easily just shut the door and not made it there but instead he said we got some time here you go i'll just and just kind of yeah. walks away a bit and that small gesture says a lot and gives help now is that gonna mean anything if walter dies on death row no not really but i think that there is we have to take it in steps and work through and talk through and mm-hmm. listen to one another um and part of that means just um just taking any effort you can you're not going to be able you may not be able to set up a uh, um, a law firm that handles cases for free for underprivileged people but what what are the what are the things that you can do to impact the people around you um, what what's the what's the uncle that you have a hard time having a conversation with that you can you can initiate a helpful encouraging conversation have him watch the film um, or it could be an ant, or it could be anybody. I don't mm. know. Uh, <laughs> there's not anybody specific, but but how can we how can we initiate those conversations to to think about how the little things that we do have dramatic yeah. effects on other people? So well, that's awesome. Well, I, I hear some, <laughs> I hear, hear some dogs yeah, in the background. One very uh, jealous dog who wants to be on this podcast one day. Maybe maybe when we're talking about Marley and me or something. But not tonight. Yeah, maybe maybe we can do up or something. Yeah, yeah, I do that. Uh, <laughs> uh, well, Bowman, this is yes, been, indeed, uh, it's been good joy. to be back. Um, and uh, uh, joy and sorrow, sorrow. So, um, but hopefully, we can. There are a lot of films that are that are coming out that are streaming for free. I think Thirteen is also out on. Um, yeah, that you we can watch, which I've heard decent things about. Um, Selma, Selma is, is uh, being uh, quite a bit for the month of June um, available for free. Um, so the studio did a similar thing. Yes. Um, Ava DuVernay had directed that. It's a good one. So check that out if you want uh, a little different angle, different kind of um, side to the civil rights fight in America. 
Well, Bowman, I hope to talk to you soon. Uh, we, uh, I can't wait to discuss whatever know, we yeah. decide to do next. Um, and uh, uh, life changing or not, uh, it is. Um, it's so good to step away from from life as it is and to dive down deep into um, the joy Absolutely. and depth of cinema. So, all right, I'll see well, you brother, soon. I'll talk to you later, man. All right, everyone, before you go, I wanted to send a quick thank you to those who gave their insight and were vulnerable with us. Ming, Shannon, Laura, Candace, Jimmy, and Aaron, your honesty and encouragement mean the world to us. If you enjoyed exploring the joy and depth of cinema with us and want to support the podcast, take a moment to subscribe or listen to any of our other episodes. And honestly, you can say hello to us and engage on social media with Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. In a bit, we'll post some resources that we have found personally helpful and eye-opening in understanding how to engage with others and topics that are personally awkward and hard, but most of all, how to love those who aren't like us. Until next time, we'll see you later.